Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis, as usual. If your heart is beating a little fast, we don't blame you. This division race is tight between the Cubs and the Brewers, and depending on what happens tonight, uh, the lead will either be three or one for the Cubs. No matter what happens, no matter when you're listening to this, unless you're listening to this a few days later, uh, the Cubs will leave that Brewers series still in first place. We also have some controversial things to talk about and some news that's just come up recently today. All this and more on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just well. How are you doing on on this fine hump day? Oh, I'm doing just fine. The weather's nice and, uh, uh, some big personal news coming my way, which I won't talk about until it's official, so maybe for another show. But, yeah, Ooh, things are going okay. good. Great. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, first order of business, I think we should talk about Cubs Brewers right now because as we are talking, uh, they're about to play the finale of this three-game series. And like I said, if the Cubs lose, they'll be only one up, which would make it very tight. If they win, they'll be three up. Uh, so the breathing room will be there a little bit. But regardless, they'll be in first place, leaving the series. The first two games, we'll talk about the first two games. Um, did anything stand out to you in any of those games? If you were to name kind of one big thing in any of those games, what would it be? Well, I guess just generally disappointed in the first game. Um, the pitching was okay, not great. Uh, from Leicester, but uh, good enough, I think, to win the game. Um, and then I was I was impressed with Victor Caratini in yesterday's game. Then you could call that the the Caratini game. Uh, I know some people, especially on Twitter, were really not happy to see that he was starting in this game uh, because they, you know they feel it's crunch time and uh, maybe Caratini isn't their best option. But he he pretty much won the game for him and. Uh, but if I had to pick one thing overall, it would be Jose Quintana last mm-hmm. night because he he pitched really, really well. I mean, and that was a huge game, too, for both teams. And so to see him uh, rise to the occasion and pitch so well when the Cubs needed him to, that was really encouraging to see. I wanted to talk about Jose Quintana, too, because, yeah, he was great. And you know what? If it wasn't for that infield single – he would have gone seven shutout innings instead of uh, six and two-thirds. But, I mean, he was really sharp again. And you can see that there's a difference in this Quintana and the one that had those struggling moments throughout the season. There was um, something, I can't remember who said it, but uh, Jim Hickey, it was reported that Jim Hickey made a mechanical adjustment with Quintana. And I think so far it's working because he has looked great his past few starts. Um, he's giving you quality starts. He's going, you know, six innings, maybe a little more. He's missing more bats. And I think most noticeably, the fastball velocity is at 93, 94. 
those are some good things. Yeah, it's 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 great to see. Last night, Jose Quintana pitched like the pitcher they traded for. That was the yeah. guy uh, they gave up uh, Eloy Jimenez for. Um, and so that yeah, um, we can only hope that he he stays hot like that and pitches well uh, for the rest of September and hopefully uh, into October. Absolutely. I kind of made a Jose Quintana checklist, and when you check off these things on the list, it kind of determines, you know, how good his outing is. Uh, I posted it on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but I tweeted this last I night. I did see that. Yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. And for those of you yeah. who don't, here's my checklist right here. 93-94 fastball, check. The curve getting swings and misses, check. Dotting the fastball on all corners, Inside and out, that's a big check because some of his strikeouts last night, I think the most impressive one uh, was the one to Lorenzo Cain where he just put it in there right down by the knees in the corner and got him. The one to Jesus Aguilar also with guys on was very similar. Uh, but the way he struck out Lorenzo Cain, a guy who has just been mashing against the Cubs, just made that really great pitch with the fastball. And last but not least, getting ahead of batters. He threw first pitch strikes, and when he gets ahead of batters, you don't you see less nibbling. He'll start to nibble when he gets behind, but when he gets ahead in the count, that's when he works his magic. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add on that checklist, but that's pretty much my Jose Quintana good outing checklist. No, I, I think you've pretty much got it nailed, and I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that that was his best pitched game of the season, but... I would say that it was his best performance, if that makes sense, because because we're at a point in the season now with the Brewers so close where every game is just hugely important. And the Cubs needed him uh, last night, and he showed up. And that that uh, that's really promising to me. Yeah, no, I definitely think you could argue it was – I mean, there's no argument whether stuff or just outing-wise that it was one of his top three performances. I don't think there's any question about that. If you want to say dominant, um, I would say it's close, though I felt like he had more dominant stuff in Philadelphia because I think he got a few more strikeouts in that game. But, yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty much as good as you get from Jose Quintana. And I think another very important part of that ball game was, I mean, he was mowing guys down through most of it, but he had a stressful situation, and he answered correctly. Two guys on, nobody out. And he got out of it with no damage. I brought up that strikeout of Jesus Aguilar, 3-2. Huge pitch, probably the biggest pitch of the ball game, because that really was a turning point right there. Um, but he answered the adversity greatly. And we've seen when things weren't going great for him, things just fall apart. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to see him uh, kind of turning things around. I, I hope he keeps it up. Um, and, you know, even though it was just two and a third innings, I, I was also impressed with Justin Wilson, uh, De La Rosa, and Strope. I mean, they they did a good job closing that game out. There was really no trouble at all with any of those guys uh, for the rest of that game. And, uh, you know, I have, my, uh, I have my worries about the bullpen and, you know, if they're fatigued sure. or not going in down the stretch. But uh, I, I like what I've seen from some of those guys lately. The nice thing about Jorge De La Rosa, that guy's been around the block. I mean, he's been in the big leagues for many, many years. He's seen it all. 
So I think having a veteran like him is a really good thing to have. I thought that was a smart pickup. And, you know, so far, he's done a pretty good job, not just last night, because he did a great job last night, but overall as a Cub, so far, uh, things have looked good, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, it could be, you know, another one of those sneaky under-the-radar moves from Theo and Jed. And uh, do you think he'll make the postseason roster? You know, I was toying around with the postseason roster, just kind of writing names down and possibilities, and I did put his name in that bullpen. I think his experience and the way he's performed as a Cubs so far, you know, there's still a little ways to go before the postseason, but I think so far he's making a good case for himself to make it on the roster, yes. I I agree with you. So let me ask you this. Is there any one player in the Cubs' bullpen uh, – that you would not have on your postseason roster that would come as a shock to some fans? Probably Brian Dunsing. I I wouldn't put him on a postseason roster. I I agree with that. I don't know that that would necessarily be a a shocker to anyone, though. I don't think so. Being being a a, a Cornhusker going to the University of Nebraska, which is Brian Dunsing's alma mater, it's it's disappointing to me to see how he kind of fell off this season because he – he was so good last year and for the yeah, for a lot of this year and to just to see him struggle so badly it's uh it, it's disappointing. It is. Another name I will throw out there that may be a little more surprising would be uh Rosario. I don't think he's going to make it either. Really? Now that yeah. that one is a little bit shocking to me, just a little bit. Now I get the way he, you know, he's he's relatively inexperienced, I get that, but but, I mean, he's he's had a lot of good uh, uh, outings. Yeah, and I don't think it's anything on him. And, it's again, it's going to depend on how many relievers they carry. But the way I've kind of worked things out, like I have like a, a certain number of relievers, and they're all guys that have a lot of experience. So right now, um, I look at my 25-man roster that I made, Right now, my bullpen consists of Strope, Chavez, Edwards, Monty, Wilson, Ciszek, and De La Rosa. So, Rosario okay. is the borderline guy, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, how happy are you that we're probably done with Tyler Chatwood, for the most part? Um, I, I can't say I'm upset about it. Um, <laughs> I'm upset that, <laughs> that it, says it, it didn't all. work out. But at this I point... Yeah, but I'm I mean, not, because you know, you can see it when he pitches that his stuff is really good and he's got some wicked movement on some of those pitches. Yeah. He just can't place them. And so, you know, obviously this year, Chatwood, it's a wash. You know, you just got to chalk this one up to a loss. But I still I still believe that there's at least a sliver of hope for next year that they could figure something out and he could be a, a serviceable starter. Yeah, I would really, really like to see that because I do like the guy. And it's so frustrating when you see a guy with that kind of stuff just not be able to locate it correctly because if he does, that's incredibly hard to hit. Yeah, and you know, maybe this is a stupid comparison, but at times it reminded me of Jake Arrieta because when Jake Arrieta could place his curveball at the bottom of the strike zone or just below, he was untouchable. 
But when he couldn't, when he could not put it anywhere close, batters knew they could just lay off every time, and he got he got destroyed. And I that's I see some of that in Tyler Chatwood from time to time. Obviously, there's they're, they're different guys. I you know I get that Arietta's on a different level, but uh, I, it does kind of remind me of that a little bit. Well, you think about it, Jake Arietta in Baltimore, the numbers were pretty ugly too. So I think oh, yeah. there's some there's a valid um comparison there. Yeah, I mean, you know, even with the Cubs though, after his his dominant run that he had, he he kind of uh you know, he fell off a little bit and he he wasn't uh, his command wasn't where it used to be. And uh, that that's the that's what reminds me of Tyler Chatwood a little bit because if, if Chatwood could put those in the zone or close to the zone, he'd be a really good pitcher. But he he just has no command at all right now. Right. Yeah, you can't have that at this point of the game. Now, we were talking about the bullpen. Who was going to make it? There is some news today that could alter this. And you and I talked about it before the show. And that's closer Brandon Morrow. They're saying that his health is progressing and that he could possibly throw a simulated game soon. And if that all goes well, he could be back. And if he does come back and he's ready to go, that is a huge, huge get for the Cubs because Let's face it, before this news, we pretty much scratched Morrow off of any possibility of pitching again. It seemed like it wasn't going to happen. With this news, we're not saying 100%, but it, it's looking more possible that he could be back. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I hope he is able to come back, uh, especially for the postseason. I mean, Morrow, before he was injured, was excellent for the Cubs. I mean, he was yeah. really great. And uh, watching his interview, it sounds, it sounds really encouraging. It sounds like Mm -hmm. he he believes he's close. Um, uh, One thing that stood out to me is that he said that uh, his velocity, he was pleasantly surprised with it, even though he wasn't going a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm really encouraged by that. And he said he's close to uh, possibly pitching in a sim game. So, yeah, this is really good news because I think we had all pretty much assumed that Brandon Morrow would not be back this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I wrote this down, I, I, I just said, okay, I, I did a little not on area, like on this piece of paper when I was doing the notes, like ones who are definitely not making it. I said Chatwood. I said Dunsing. I said Darvish because he's hurt. And I said Morrow because he was hurt. But, you know, that might not be the case here. Yeah, so I mean, it he he was better than uh, Wade Davis, I think. You know, Wade Davis's ERA was low, but it I mean anybody who watched all the games knows that he he got himself into a lot of trouble a lot of times. He had to work out of some pretty sticky situations. And Brandon Morrow, on the other hand, pretty much gave you a clean ninth inning every time he when he was healthy, uh, with excellent velocity. And so if the Cubs could get that back in time for an October run, yeah, that would be huge. Absolutely. And I'm kind of glad you brought up Wade Davis because it's an interesting comparison. Wade Davis, if you're just looking at effectiveness, he was one of the most effective closers we ever had in terms of just completing saves. But, yeah, 
in the second half, especially last year, it wasn't always clean. And you know what? That's what happens when your reliever, who's got a lot of miles on his arm and recently had an injury problem, because, I mean, the way Davis at Kansas City, that guy was probably the best closer in baseball and as close as you get to being unbeatable as you get. But, yeah, with the Cubs, I would say that the Cubs got the very last year of Wade Davis's prime, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, probably, because if you look at what he's done this year, he's really having a tough time. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's not the Wade Davis that the Cubs – got uh he, he's he's really had kind of a rough go of it in Colorado this season and this is no disrespect to Wade Davis because his postseason play was heroic and he grinded it out unbelievably like he was just he was key to them winning that national series that guy took it upon himself and got the job done and you know he was huge in the postseason last year you know, again, he was dominant in the first half. Like, you know, no one could score or do anything off him. And, you know, in the second half, even though he was converting saves, again, he got into a lot of trouble at times, even though he got out of it. Uh, so I think that's when you just started to see, you know, the prime Wade Davis kind of fizzle out. Just, again, he's in his 30s. He's pitched a lot. He's had uh, injury issues uh, before he came to the Cubs. But, yeah, Brandon Morrow, he was just, boom, just getting it done. I think he had, like, what, two blown saves? That's it? I think only yeah, two. Yeah, something, something like that, yeah. But I think the Cubs were, were wise to lay off Wade Davis for this year. You know, I don't really know if they made much of an attempt to re-sign him or extend him. I've I've never been a fan of giving relievers long-term deals because, you know, Age isn't always important to relievers. You know, Brandon Morrow is older than Wade Davis is. Uh, so it's always kind of a, a by trial thing with relievers for me year by year. And yeah, you could see it with Wade Davis last year that he was kind of losing it. I mean, finished with two and a, 2.3 ERA for the season. And it's almost double this year. I think it's over double this year. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, that 2.3 ERA could have easily been three and a half the way he was pitching in the second half, but he, he got out of a lot of tough situations. Yeah. I mean, he only blew the one save. Like I said, he was effective in terms of just getting saves. He was as effective as you get. It just, you know, it wasn't always as clean towards the end uh, after the first half, because the first half he was as good as it gets, but yeah, exactly. The other interesting thing is, you know, Brandon Morrow, was not a closer coming here. Right. He was a reliever, but not a closer. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and he did an excellent job too. I mean, I don't think anybody really had their doubts. I think we always, we just knew that if he pitched as well as he did uh, over that stretch with the Dodgers, that he would be just fine. And he was. So yeah, I hope the Cubs get him back. Yes, absolutely. And some other pitching news, you uh, Darvish, uh, Darvish had surgery, and he is going to be ready for the start of the season, so it didn't put anything back. It was to remove some fragments in his arm and his pitching arm. Um, you know, as we all know, he's done for the year, but he had the surgery. It's not going to set anything back, so I'm just kind of glad they got that done out of the way. 
Yeah, I mean, like like we've talked about before, you just don't mess around with elbow stuff. Um, I'm glad he did not pitch through this. Um, Me too. If there's any if there's any discomfort whatsoever, which there was, then I, you shut it down and you do what you have to do until you're 100% again. Uh, right now, the most important thing for the Cubs is just to have him back to full health for the 2019 season, and it sounds like he'll be on track to do that, so that's great. Exactly. You want to get him 100% healthy for next year, um, and luckily right now, as it stands, you have a pitching rotation that could pitch in October. Though there's a little concern about John Lester because he had uh, some of the back tightness or whatever, but it doesn't sound serious. He sounds like he's going to be okay. It always just naturally worries you when your ace is feeling any sort of discomfort at this time of the year um, in the position that they're in. Right. And, and, but Lester has a history of just being completely honest with reporters about what his health situation is. And he was pretty adamant that he was not going to miss his next start. So I'm not, I'm not stressing too much about it. You know, I, I was right. worried at the time, but it sounds like he's going to be fine. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, yeah, I mean, got a few weeks to go. You hope that you could kind of get back on track here because despite the win against Milwaukee in game two, they've been on a little bit of a skid because let's face it, they've been playing so much baseball and you had that little debacle in Washington where you were, sitting at the ballpark for hours, the weather was clearly not going to get better. And their final schedule, the off day they finally had scheduled after 23 straight days. Now you got to fly to Washington, D.C. to make up a game. And the East Coast is um, getting hit by a hurricane. And I still think it's mind-boggling that they're still trying to get that game in. Yeah, what? What was the MLB thinking over this this entire series? Like uh, they they botched it so hard, it just blows my mind. None of those games should have been played. I mean, it's no. You could get you could get any weather guy in there to tell you, look, this is not going to let up. You're wasting your time waiting here. You're wasting your time even starting these games. And you know, I don't want to use it as an excuse if the Cubs play poorly. Uh, over these next few weeks, but it does, it should have an impact on them. I mean, that's, it is important. I mean, you have your pitchers going, warming up and getting ready to go. And then you throw them off their routine by canceling a game that should have never been played in the first place. Uh, It's that's, that's pretty aggravating. And you saw other games getting canceled the rain. They didn't even bother bringing the teams there. They postponed it in the morning on the East coast, but they, they didn't do it. Uh, for the Cubs and I really don't understand that and I don't I don't know what they would do if they were stranded what if they were stranded there seriously what if they were stranded there after the game and the weather from the hurricane hit right yeah there's so many things about this series that, that just does not make sense to me I I really think the league just botched this badly I mean Waiting three plus hours to resume a game that you've that you've uh, delayed that that's ridiculous. I mean, th- it was obvious to everyone with a weather app that that those games were not going to be played, and to make them wait like that it, it, that was ridiculous. And I, I don't understand it. I mean, you know, I get that 
to get that it's a close race and the Cubs aren't going to be back in Washington the rest of this year. You want to get it in. But you know what? Just just cancel the game, and if the Cubs need to play the, those games at the end of the season, then do it then. That's what I think. Right, and this only concerns the Cubs because the Nationals are not in a postseason race. They're out. Yeah, yeah they're done. Their season is over. They're, they're playing just for the fans that want to show up to the park. That's it. They're playing because they have to. They have nothing left to play for. Right, and look – If you don't want to make the game at Wrigley Field, fine. But go somewhere, not in D.C. then. If you really want to make up this game tomorrow, don't have the game where there's going to be a hurricane. Yeah, go to a neutral site. I mean, you you can complain if you're Washington uh, that it's a neutral site. But, you know, then again, Washington's not going to make the postseason. They're done. They're out. So it shouldn't matter. I mean, I don't know that you could call that an advantage for the Cubs either, because either way, it's a road game for them. Right, exactly. I mean, even if they played at Wrigley Field, the road rules would still apply for the Cubs. So they'd bat first, and they could get walked off at Wrigley Field. I mean, when you think about it, I'm looking at the schedule now uh, for Thursday, tomorrow. If you're listening to this tonight, it's tomorrow, unless you're not, if it's you're listening on the day of, it's September 13th. And there's not a whole lot of games going on. So you could easily move this game to a number of stadiums. I mean, you can move it to Miller Park, but, you know, I'm sure the Brewers would give the Cubs an earful of that. Um, you could move it. Oh, let's see. I don't know. Heck, you can move it to Cincinnati. You could, you can move it in so many different places. Just don't put people's lives in danger if there's a hurricane in the vicinity. And I know they're saying, well, you know, it might not hit as bad. The, the chances of rain are decreased. If there's a hurricane within any vicinity of that area, you shouldn't risk it. It's yeah, a hurricane. It, right, yeah. I, I think the, the league made a huge mistake trying to get this, these games in. They had to have known that it wasn't going to happen. I, I mean, they, they maybe they were holding on, <laughs> praying, but yeah, it's they they really screwed this up and it, and it's annoying because it could have an effect on the cubs it really could you know as maybe it sounds like a lame excuse to some people but i think it could yeah it, it could now do you remember last year when a hurricane hit uh miami they played their series with the brewers at miller park but they switched the home and road teams and i think they did something at miller park where they tried to make it like quote more at home for the marlins so they set up a bunch of Marlin stuff everywhere, even though it was in Milwaukee and the Brewers were playing there. And that was for a whole series. And, you know, I thought that was fine, whatever. So yeah, I don't know why you it, can't do that for one game at Wrigley Field. Yeah, yeah you know, it, maybe it's not ideal. It's not the way you planned it. But, it's you know, these things happen every once in a while. And you gotta you got to deal with it in the smartest way possible. And that's not what the MLB did this time around. Hey, my biggest hurricane memory relating to the Cubs, you know exactly what story I'm going to. Oh, yeah. When they moved the game to Miller Park and Zimbrano threw the no-hitter and then Ted Lilly nearly no-hit them the next day. Yeah, Hurricane Ike. I'll never forget that back in 2008 because I was supposed to be playing Houston. The hurricane hit. They didn't mess around. They moved it up to Miller Park. And I'll never forget that that place was jam-packed full of screaming Cubs fans. That was unreal. Yeah. Oh, man. Good old Ted Lilly. 
I hope he's doing okay these days because he recently has kind of found himself in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, what was it like taxes or something? There was some no, some money was, thing. I think it was insurance fraud. I believe oh. that he wrecked. I believe he wrecked his RV and then went out and bought RV insurance after the fact, which oh. <laughs> kids if you're listening, that's a no-no. Don't do that. You'll go to jail. But yeah. I think he avoided jail for doing that, but he probably paid out the wazoo and fine. Yeah, probably. Because if he would have been in jail, I probably would have known about it. But, yeah, I do remember that happening. And, hey, I, I was a big fan of Ted Lilly in the day. Yeah, he yeah, served he up a lot of bombs, years. but, he, you know, he was a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, he was he was reliable. He was he was solid. He wasn't he wasn't dominant. He wasn't an ace or anything like that, but he was a good solid starter. He was, and I remember that curveball that he had. When he had that big sweeping curveball working, he was pretty good. He was, yeah. Let's let's bring him back. Let's sign Ted Lilly right now. Oh, that's a great idea because the last time he pitched in the majors was 2013 and had an ERA of five. Uh, that's a great idea. And uh, gave up so. four home runs in 23 innings. Uh, great idea. Let's do it. Let's. Uh, hey, did, did you ever could, hear the story about Cubs. Ted Lilly, how he came to the Cubs? Uh, no, enlighten me. So Jim Hendry was in the hospital and he was really sick, but Instead of relaxing in the hospital, he worked from his hospital bed to sign him in 2007. Really? Yeah, look it up. It, it's it's a that very interesting. very interesting story. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. That is interesting. Thank yeah. you, Alex. Of course, of course. I I love talking about Theodore Roosevelt Lilly. As do I. Right on. So um, we have a few questions for us on Twitter that uh, people would like us to address. Um, really? One we already did. We talked about Brandon Morrow. The other one, I'll let you start off. I'll ask the question and you give the thoughts. What okay. will be the Cubs postseason lineup against a righty and lefty? Against so a righty. One for each. Who asked this question? Uh, this is Josh Kane on Twitter. Okay, Josh, uh, that's that's a question that requires a lot of thought uh, and putting me on the spot, so I don't appreciate that, Josh. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding, though. Um, let's see here. Uh, man, so uh, let's see here. I guess I, I, would, I would go with uh, Murphy, uh, then maybe Zobrist, uh, switch hitter. Uh, you know, the, the first, the, the first five are kind of their usual. You get Bryant, Rizzo. Um, if it's against a left-hander, I suppose I would have Javi Baez batting either like second or third. Um, Wilson Contreras is going to be my starting catcher most games, no matter if, if it's a righty or lefty, just cause he's the better hitter, better catcher. Um, and then the rest, you know, is just kind of by ear. But uh, and I think that, you know, you're going to see Schwarber in the lineup more against right-handers. And, you know, other than that, it's going to be their huge. See, the way I see it is I think you're going to try to fit Zobrist in there as best as possible. It's just going to matter who's on the mound and where he's going to be. 
because he could play left field if you're facing a lefty because Schwarber's not going to be in left to start if there's a lefty on the mound. He'll probably come off the bench. If it is a righty and Schwarber is in the lineup, you have a few options there. The question is, you got Murphy and Baez and Hayward, and Zobris could play second, left, right. He's not going to play short, but he can play short. So what do you do there? You feel like you have to have Murphy's bat in the lineup, but I think you need Ben Zobris too, and you need Javi in the lineup too. So this is where things get a little complicated. Do you want to say, okay, there's a righty on the mound, Schwarber in left, and put Zobrist in right and have Hayward on the bench and have him come later, even though Hayward is hitting better this year? D- do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that that definitely is a factor, I'm sure. So Chase Anderson is pitching for the Brewers tonight, and he's a right-hander. Uh, so against righties, I think you're probably going to see a lineup pretty similar to what they've got going tonight. Uh, you know, Murphy is – I think he should be starting regardless – of who is pitching because he's just been so hot with the Cubs that I think you have to play him as much as you can uh, while he's on this hot streak. And so like tonight, they've got Murphy playing second and they've got Zobrist in right field. And I think they'll probably continue to do something like that. Uh, you, you got Brian in left field and Javi at third, which is, you know, that's not the, the, the Cubs normal situation but uh my main thing here is that they're gonna have to play murphy as much as they can while he's hitting like this yeah no i think that i mean that's kind of why they got him too so you got to keep that in mind as well right because because a hot murphy is better than a hot hayward let's be honest you know as much as i love jason hayward and as much as i love watching him hit this year because he has done some great things with the bat I still think that in postseason situations you're going to see him more as a bench slash replacement player because you need Zobrist in that lineup Zobrist has been that good this year and he's let's face it he's done some big things in the postseason with the bat so I think you're going to want him in there Um, If you're going to look at some definite starters, like guys that will play in pretty much every postseason game, I think the guys I'd go with would be Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Zobrist, Contreras. Everything else is up for the matchup. Yeah, and, you know, I would would maybe slide Murphy in there. I don't know. I mean, he's just been – he's been their best hitter since he's come to Chicago. Yeah, I'd probably slide him – probably borderline in there, so – pretty close to sliding him in there yeah because well the the thing with Murphy is that he's an inferior defensive player compared to Baez right. at second base I mean that's that's the one thing that we don't talk about a lot but Javi Baez is a way better defensive second baseman than Murphy like it's not even close and so no and you know and you take no chances in the postseason and so that is going to play uh, some sort of role in this, and that'll be a, a big thing for Jason Hayward too, because he's going to be uh, a better left fielder than anyone else you could put out there. Well, that's why I think that you'll see Jason Hayward. I mean, let's say it's a postseason game; it's the sixth or seventh inning, and a pitcher spot comes up. I think that's the exact spot where you can pinch hit Hayward and then put him in right field for the rest of the game, because I think no matter what. 
late in a game with a lead, you're going to see Russell and Hayward in the field for defensive purposes. Let's face it. At this point, Russell is a defensive replacement. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I could not be more disappointed with how things have gone with Addison Russell. He had a, a little stretch uh, earlier this season where he was really hot with the bat, and I was yeah. – I was thinking, okay, maybe he's finally starting to come around. He's finally uh, becoming the player uh, that the Cubs thought they were getting when, when he was a top prospect in the league. And, boy, he's he's just really been disappointing to me. I mean, at times he just looks totally irreverent, like he just doesn't care that much at the plate. And you know, I can't speak for him. That Maybe that's not the case. Maybe he's hurt and not saying anything about it. But I really – I was expecting uh, more from Addison Russell this year, and we Me haven't too. gotten it. Yeah, so that's why I think the remainder of this year, you're just going to see him in defensive situations. That's what you saw in that win against Milwaukee. Holy crap, what a play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's that was not awesome. enough to make up for a, a, an entire season of – less than mediocrity, but yeah. I mean, like I said, you're not going to see him bat in big situations unless they're out of people. And, you know, he comes up in his spot in the order when he's already substituted for defense. But yeah, I don't see him in a lot of starting lineups in a postseason situation. Here's one interesting question I have, you know, let's say, you know, they win the division, they go to the NLDS and I'm talking about these postseason situations, still cautiously knock on wood. Even though things are looking really good, you just never know. So keep that in mind. But do you ever consider right now with the way he's played, do you think Ian Happ may not make this roster? Boy, that's that's a tough question because I could see that happening. But I also think he could provide some value on the postseason roster. I mean, Ian had, you know, he, he, he gets hot every once in a while. And my biggest thing with him is that he's got a lot of power potential. I mean, in any given at bat, he could hit a long ball and that's absolutely that's pretty. That's something you want in the postseason that the chance of getting a home run at any point, And Ian Happ has that, but it also wouldn't surprise me to see him, you know, be kept off the roster because, you know, as a defender and as a hitter, you know, he, he is behind a lot of those guys. Yeah, I know. There's been a lot of struggles here, and you hoped to see a little bit better, but you saw some really good stretches where he was having great at-bats, and you saw that power stroke. And then you're seeing him take pitches down the middle or not catch up to pitches that most major leaguers would. So you just kind of can't help but wonder. I think that there's going to be a lot of questions for the bench because, you know, I wrote about this for Cubby's crib earlier. Would you rather have Bodie or Listella on the bench? And do you try to fit Terrence Gore on there? Because he's not going to hit and he's not going to play defense, but let's face it, having a guy like that in a postseason roster to pinch run can make a big difference. Yeah. So I, I do kind of hope that Terrence Gore makes the postseason roster. Me too. Uh, which is tough because if he's on the roster, then you're sacrificing something else that you might also want. But right. He is real. I mean, he is, that guy is really fast. And like you said, having a speedster 
like that on your postseason roster can be a big deal. You know, you get a guy, you get Terrence Gore to pinch run on first base. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's in scoring position on any kind of pitch just because of his speed. You know, that's a big deal in the postseason. Any advantage you yeah. can get in October uh, is big. And so I think the Cubs that's going to be a big decision to make. And I got to think that he is going to be on the postseason roster because I, I just can't see them trading for him just to, just to make a difference in September. Right. That's kind of how I feel as well. And I'll ask you this question very quickly. If you had to choose between Listella or Bodie, who would you take? <sighs> that's another tough one. Um, mm-hmm. As much as it pains me to say, I'm kind of leaning Listella, just because he's proven himself to be a very good pinch hitter, and you know I think the Cubs will ultimately take that over. You know, Bodie has the home run potential. Bodie has the power that Listella does not have, and, and so that's, better that's gonna, Right, so that'll be part of the decision. But I think just purely from a pinch hitting standpoint, Listella is the more reliable guy. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I could see it go either way, really. I think both have strengths and weaknesses. Bodie gives you more versatility options. Listel is more experienced. He's played in the postseason before. And, you know, not to rag on Bodie, but, you know, outside some big pinch hits, it's been kind of a struggle for him the past month or so. And I think it's fair to say that some teams have just adjusted to him because, you know, that's often what happens when, guys you don't really expect to make an impact them in the majors come up and then, you know, they get really hot. There's eventually going to be some adjusting done. Uh, Stella has the experience. Bodie does not. And that can give you a really big advantage if you're trying to make a postseason roster. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, pitchers have kind of figured Bodie out. He was bound to come down to earth at some point. Uh, he was right. super hot for a good long stretch, and now he's he's been you know he's cooled down a little bit. So the decision is going to come down to reliability versus more power. And I think you probably got to go reliability. Yeah, and I think that's a very uh, fair way to look at it. So we're pretty much out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. Uh, I want to thank Adam for coming on as usual. I thought we had a very good show today. Yeah, yeah, I give it a solid B+. Yeah, he can never give anything an A+, because that's just the guy he is. But you know what? (laughs) Someone who demands perfection is not always a bad thing. So for once, I'll compliment you. Wow. I'm speechless. Don't get used to it. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to remind everybody that uh, you can listen to this show on iTunes and you could visit the website Cubby's Crib of Fansided and read a lot of good stuff that Adam, myself, and a bunch of other people write. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. You could check out their account on Twitter. They share all of the stuff that you can look at. So, yeah, come check out our stuff. So until next week, he's Adam, I'm Alex, have a great night.